Well, today marks our fifth Sunday, at least fifth consecutive service, in which a text from John 1 has been our focus. Now, hopefully, for those who uh, feel our progress through the first chapter has been uh, methodical or sluggish or slow, uh, um, you'll be encouraged to know that uh, my plan is to conclude John 1 this morning and next week move on to John 2. And uh, we'll only be there two Sundays, so we're, we'll be flying. We'll be flying through, uh, uh, through John 2. But uh, I hope it's, been, hope it's been helpful for you. It has been for me, at least, to, to kind of dig into John 1 a little bit and, and see the progression of the announcement of Jesus as uh, the Word who existed uh, from the beginning, uh, in, in fact, predating uh, the beginning, echoing, of course, Genesis 1, uh, both books, John and Genesis begin in the beginning. Uh, And then reflecting on God's avenue by which the kingdom uh, arrived was by Jesus moving into the neighborhood, the incarnation. Jesus, God becoming humanity. The arrival of Jesus' ministry on earth was then heralded by John the Baptist, and he perfectly played the role of a supporting actor. And then last week, we considered John's role as witness and the credibility with which he proclaimed the opening of Jesus' ministry. Through the first 34 verses of John's gospel, Jesus has not uttered a single word. That changes today as we consider him calling his first disciples as recorded in John, and then those disciples immediately beginning to spread the message and join in inviting others to come and see, to come and follow uh, the newly arrived Messiah. So we'll read, uh, I think they're all told about 16 verses. I'll have them there on the screen, but beginning in John 35. The next day, Jesus again was standing with two of his disciples. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come, and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. 
Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. O Word who existed from the beginning and became for us the living Word, we thank you. We thank you for the words of Scripture. We know they're written for our benefit. We ask that you would allow our hearing of them to result in them being planted deep in our hearts, not to result in mere knowledge, but that we can hold more tightly to the hope we have in you, our Savior. Amen. I begin with a confession. (laughs) I was very much tempted to split these 16 verses into two different passages. I had told my my mom a couple of weeks ago that I was going to work on uh, the Gospel of John during most of 2022. And uh, she said to me, I think it was the pastor of First Baptist Ottawa, uh, and I think his name was Roger Fredrickson. I think he was connected with Ottawa University uh, at, at some degree. She said at one point he preached through John and it took him three years. I thought, goodness gracious, those poor folk at First Baptist Ottawa. Well, no worries. Uh, Dr. Frederickson, uh, when, when, when you achieve the role of, of a doctorate, you can, really, you can really dig into things and slow them down. And I am not there. I'm not. Uh, 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 we'll make progress as we're able to. But I, I decided not to split these two. Because in large part, in the calling of the first disciples in John, along with the calling then of Philip and Nathaniel, I saw a connection with three little words. Come and see. Come and see. Both accounts, both the the calling of Andrew, okay, so just to kind of get our bearings a little bit, Jesus is walking by, and John the Baptist is standing there, and he pronounces again, Here is the Lamb of God. And initially, the two disciples that followed Jesus are unnamed. Later on, John explains that one of them was Andrew. And and they begin to follow after Jesus. And Jesus says to them, What are you looking for? (laughs) And then he invites them, Come and see. And then in in verse 46, I'm sorry, Philip, in explaining to Nathaniel that he had heard from Andrew about the arrival of Jesus, Philip says to Nathaniel, as Nathaniel resists a little bit this message, this good news, come and see. My encouragement this morning is simple. The invitation that we join in extending to a world of people in need of hope, in need of love, remain those three simple words. Come and see. I ran across a funny story as it relates to seeing and believing. 
This is a theme, this seeing and believing, incidentally, is a theme we will see over and over again in John. We'll see it as Jesus heals a man born blind, and then there's kind of the climax of it at the very end of John's gospel. Remember when Thomas says, I will not believe until I touch, until I see. This is a recurring theme in John's gospel, that, that, that to see is to believe. Here's the story. A man left work on a Friday afternoon. And he decided that instead of going home, he stayed out the entire weekend. He went on a hunting trip with some of his buddies, spent his entire paycheck in the various things they became involved in during the weekend. And when he finally came home late on Sunday afternoon, he was confronted by his angry wife. And she yelled for over an hour because of his actions. And finally, his wife stopped nagging and simply asked, how would you like it if you didn't see me for two or three days? And he said, well, that'd be fine with me. Monday went by and he didn't see his wife. Tuesday went by and he didn't see his wife. Wednesday came and went with the same results. And finally on Thursday, the swelling went down just enough to where he could barely see her out of the corner of his eye. I want to be careful, of course, not to make light of domestic violence. But you understand what I'm saying, right? Seeing is often believing. Sometimes when it comes to the subject of our call as Jesus' disciples to spread his message and invite others, a little levity can, can help. You know, I, I think we have a tendency, if, 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 uh, if, if the, the theme of what we're talking about or what we're considering is, uh, sometimes, sometimes as we put it, witnessing, if that comes up, sometimes we have a tendency to, to get a little anxious, a little nervous, a, a little uncomfortable. This happens, I think, when we think of that whole enterprise as something very formal or even awkward. We fear that we'll say the wrong thing or we won't be able to think of the answer to the questions or, or risk sounding dumb. At its root, though, at its root, the sharing of our faith is little more than inviting someone to come and see who Jesus is. Yes. As Jesus walked by John the Baptist, he announced to those who followed him, Behold the Lamb of God. Two begin to follow. Jesus said, What are you seeking? It could have been a number of things. Right? Could have been just a little excitement. <laughs> could have been that they were wondering what kind of miracles Jesus could perform. Jesus invited them to come and see where he was staying. They indicated to him by doing so that they were serious about his call to follow him. And this simple invitation to Andrew resulted in Jesus crossing paths with Simon, Andrew's brother, who Jesus immediately in John renames Peter. A simple invitation by Jesus rippled into one of the most consequential apostles of the first century being invited to follow. It all began 
with a simple invitation to come and see. Upon arriving in Galilee, Jesus finds Philip and extends an invitation to him to join this growing band of disciples. Of all of the people mentioned in this combination of passages, John the Baptist, Jesus, Andrew, Peter, Nathaniel, and Philip, it's Philip, I think, that we are most likely to connect with, that we have the most in common with. Because it was Philip who, having decided to follow Jesus, to come and see, who then turned around to his buddy, Nathaniel and extended the invitation. Philip simply extended the invitation that he had already received. uh, Philip is the one who represents an individual who recently began to follow Jesus, who then invites another to do the same. The text explains that Nathanael seemed to resist Peter's initial invitation. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, we know Nazareth was pretty small and inconsequential. We want to be careful not to read into Nathaniel's response uh, something like bigotry. Philip's initial message to Nathaniel was to tie Jesus to the prophecy regarding the one who was promised to come. He explained that Jesus was the son of Joseph and from Nazareth. Nathanael knew his scripture. Nathanael knew that Nazareth was not and is not specifically mentioned in the Messianic prophecies. And so Nathanael was saying, hey, this doesn't make sense. Messiah from Nazareth, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. Instead of engaging in debate or trying to convince Nathaniel of who Jesus was, Philip simply said, come and see. Come and see. At its core, this is all that witnessing is. And all we are tasked to do in our lives today. Of course, in fairness, most of us, most of us, when we invite others, will not at that moment have Jesus just show up and say, hey, I, I saw you over at the quick trip. <laughs> I, I saw you at McDonald's the other day. I mean, uh, in, in, in fairness to, to Philip and Nathaniel and to us, that, that helps. Right? Jesus just literally is there standing and and. and, and and uh, making connections for Nathaniel in regard to who he is and what else Nathaniel will see as Nathaniel begins the process of following Jesus. However, <laughs> however, and you all have already made this connection in your own heads, no doubt. The ones who are supposed to be demonstrating who Jesus is, the one to whom we invite others to look is us. The idea of the incarnation, of 
God becoming man and, and being a, a physical representation of who God is and what the kingdom entails, that is the exact... Let me be careful here because I can get into trouble in, in regard to uh, the uh, uniqueness of Jesus' ministry, but I, I, you understand what I'm saying. I think it's in Corinthians that Paul explains to the folk in Corinth that we are God's ambassadors making appeal, right? That's who we are. We are now the representatives of when people are invited to follow. And they say, as, 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 as I think uh, anyone with a, with, a, with a brain would do, well, let, let me kind of see what you're inviting me to get into. I'll come and see. Let, let me show you my, my friend over here. Let me let, me let, you, let me let you into my own life. And you can see the impact that Jesus has made in my heart, in my life. I was thinking about the simplicity of sharing a word of encouragement when it comes to inviting others to follow the Lord. And I couldn't help but think of a story I have heard in my 40 years of life, probably at least once a year. This picture, both of these pictures, are of my paternal grandfather. Great-grandfather, I'm sorry, my paternal great-grandfather. His name was Tom Clark. He died in December of 1949, which was about 11 months before my dad was born. And Tom Clark, for most of his life, lived in southeast Colorado, a little town called Hartman, Colorado. And he and his wife, Mabel Clark, were part of the Christian church in Hartman, and he taught the young adult Sunday school class, he was a committed uh, churchman, and also he was the owner, as that second picture down in the bottom left shows, the owner and operator of the grocery store in Hartman. And now when I think of a grocery store, I think of something much different than what is depicted in that picture, but maybe small town grocery store that some of, uh, some of us are more familiar with, you would see things that you could relate to and, and understand. Long term, he was there in Colorado as a relatively, uh, in a relatively young, uh, middle-aged man. He developed serious issues, <coughs> excuse me, with his heart. And at that point, my paternal grandfather had returned from World War II, and he'd married a girl from Texas, and they'd settled in Wichita. And so his mother and father moved to Augusta, Kansas, in large part because of his health, so that. My papa's mother could be close to family when Thomas Clark passed away. And the story that I've heard over and over again is that <clears throat> he lay, Tom Clark, lay in his bed as the last moments of his life on earth drew, ne drew near with his closest family members there beside his bed. My papa, my grandfather, Ernie Clark, and his wife, Jean Clark, and my papa's mother, and this man's spouse, Mabel. But the story is, as I've put up there on the screen, that some of his very last words from the mouth of my great-grandfather were to my grandfather, a man who at that point <laughs> was really not walking with the Lord, my grandfather, after, after he returned from the war. He was too busy at that point owning his own grocery store just outside of Wichita. 
But Tom Clark turned to my grandfather and said, Ernest, whenever you get a chance to say a good word for the Lord, go ahead and say it. Been taken most of my life by the simplicity of that thought. I never connected it to John 1. But the good word that we may be asked to share maybe even today, could be as simple as come and see.